Good morning. Welcome to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petso today. Happy summer. It's almost over. I know. It's great. It is. Beautiful day again today. Hopefully not so hot. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to doing something. Yes. Good. So, um, couple things. Usually when we start the show, we always dive into what did the market do this week and what did we expect and all this. And I thought about it and I thought, well, aren't we just feeding into what we encourage you not to do, which is constantly focusing on the day-to-day, minute-to-minute what the market did. Anyone that's aware of anything knows the market's up this year. Some stocks more than others, some investments more than others. But if we really look at it, does it matter to the long-term objective? So you know us, Tom and I always come in and the best thing about what we like to do is focus back on the basics. But before there, we wanna just share a couple stories. I think this week was interesting for me because I had two clients with the exact same situation. Uh, one was one that inherited some money from one of our clients that passed away. The other was a newer client that was just coming in to meet with us the first time. The first thing about investing always goes back to the emotional side. But these two couples, both of them, had managed to accumulate a nice net worth. I mean, approaching close to a million dollars, both of them, and neither one of them had any idea what they were investing in. All of it was through their 401ks, just started deferring, they got a little bit of a match, and they just bought into whatever the computer program told them. So, you know, they do the age-based thing or whatever, And they all sat there and said, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing or not. And that made me really start to think about, of course you are. You Mm -hmm. did exactly what you should do. Now they're trying to fine tune it and become a little more educated because they really, really had no idea. They pulled up their accounts and brought statements in and said, I don't even know what this is. Isn't that interesting? It just goes back to those, the people that are most successful in the market or the ones that don't pay attention. But as long as they're invested correctly. Right. You could be in a money market and they would never have been like that. And they would never have known. Mm-hmm. We had another one of those, too. This investment does nothing. Well, it's in cash. So we yeah. do see that occasionally as well. But these folks had done extremely well. So that goes back to if you just put a couple dollars away, you invest in the great corporations of the world. And if you do that just through an S&P 500 fund, if you don't know what to do, you'll have volatility Use an age based option. Not quite so much, but just start putting money away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what's nice about some of those things that when they've enhanced the 401k options that they they make it easy for people. Um, and that's important because if you can just um, set it and forget it, mm-hmm. um, you can do exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it was funny too because when we totaled up all their investments, they looked shocked. They're like, wow, we've done pretty well. And we had to congratulate them because they had. So that again goes back to what Tom is saying. If you have options through your invest or for, through your employer, even if you say they don't match or they don't ever, because we get that a lot. Well, I don't want to invest in this because they don't match. Well, you know, the easiest thing for you to do is just put a couple percent away the minute you sign up for that first job. Because some numbers we're going to share too, and everyone knows this, the quicker you start, the more the last double or that last compounding makes sense. The longer you wait, the more you have to save. So make it easy on yourself. Yeah, and and luckily they've now d- done that. They've And they're doing it more and more. They're making it so much easier to invest through your work and that 
And like you said, most of the people we see come in that have done well is just using their 401k. Mm-hmm. Yep. So don't don't pay, not pay attention. If you don't have a 401k, there are a lot of investment options out there as well. Um, Dave's Cup of Coffee a Day story really does tell how it works. I mean, 150 a month over 40 years to grow to over a million dollars. I mean, that's not hard to do. Mm-hmm. So think about if you put 200 or 300 or just increased it slightly, how that compounding will matter. Yep. And nothing that we're saying requires looking at the market day to day, watching one stock over another, you know, moving here, selling here, doing whatever. It's just investing and getting started. Yep. Also funny thing, and this is, uh, again, these are, it's funny how sometimes weeks you just get a lot of what we call aha moments and things that hit you that you go, wow, that's, that's interesting. We have uh, someone that hates Apple. They just don't enjoy it. They don't like how they do things. And it was one of the th- one of the questions that they had when they came in is, why do we keep it? Well, if you looked at their portfolio, it had done well. And this is not a buy or sell on Apple. This is just a comment on how they looked at it. And recently, Apple didn't wasn't doing great. It was down a little bit. But year to date, it was still up over 40%. And they're only looking at this week and saying, yeah, but this week. It's mm-hmm. so funny how our mind works. And then it had another one that just loyalty to the company they worked for. It doesn't matter if they're up or down sideways or what they do. He's just loyal because he had a great experience there. So again, emotions with investing doesn't make it right. Just mm-hmm. set that aside when you're starting to invest and just put money away. Yeah, recency bias is such a strong thing, especially for someone that's looking for to justify something. Mm-hmm. They go, well, it's down this last week. So therefore... That justifies my my political bias if that's what it is or whatever. They don't like a certain company or something, and then they're just grasping at something. Mm-hmm. And they can just go, oh, yeah, but look, it's it's down, what, 6%? Yeah, and that's and, where the focus is. And Yeah, and th- th- that's what I'm going to bank my whole argument on is this one week. Yes. And just say, yeah, but that was in the past 40%. That's just... That's Doesn't matter. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, again, we, we do want phone calls too. I forgot to mention that when we started or emails. I do check those periodically. Uh, phone number is 580-KIDO, 580-5436. Emails jstone at petsofinancial.net. So we'd love to talk with you. If you have something to add to what we're talking about, please do share your stories on how you manage to accumulate wealth. It's always fun to hear different ways to do so. So before we continue and get into the basics, let's go ahead and go to the phones. Jim, how are you? Jennifer and Tom, how are y'all? We're great. Well, when you mentioned uh, somebody that disliked Apple, I figured you must be talking about me. (laughs) Actually not, but... (laughs) But we'll write you down on the list. I keep telling Dave that the only good apple grows on a tree. (laughs) But uh, I'm a... Myself, I'm a contrarian. always have been. Uh, I mean, I love investing, but I do not want to do what everybody else does, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, I mean, there are other stocks, other companies that need love, too, you know. Absolutely. So, you know, spread the wealth, diversify, and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. And the best way to do that when you're getting started, and you can relate, too, is buy a mutual fund. Buy something that broadly, broadly spreads you out without having to buy just one security or trying to do too much research on your own. Yeah, yeah, a mutual fund's okay. I mean, I mean, you know, especially at the beginning or something, or to diversify. But for me, it's that's kind of like well, letting somebody else do stuff. You know, like I've got an advisor, but uh, I mean, I like I, I just like to be in control. I mean, it's just for me, it's fun to to pick something and buy it, 
And a lot of times there's no way that I'm going to be able to get into their balance sheets and all this crap or their cash flow, you know. Mm -hmm. I just look at their maybe their past history of what they do. And if I like them, I buy them or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's just it's more fun to buy individual stocks. Now, of course, there's more risk, but like I've got my own, uh, you know, mutual fund myself, like 70, 77 stocks or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, and you can do that if you've got enough money and if you don't care. If you're not, well, greedy or fearful, which I'm not either, so then, you know, and, uh, and I, I, I like to accumulate stocks. You know, but how do you see the funny thing about that, too, is like what you just said, if you accumulate stocks, a lot of times people have a very hard time deciding if they should sell them or just hold them forever. And we all know good companies fall on bad times. So it's a little bit trickier for people unless they pay a lot of attention. And that's what we're trying to get people not to hyper focus on, you know, to go out and enjoy other things as well. But if people love it, I can't fault people for enjoying buying investments. That's kind of like, you know, what my, my advisor told me. You know, I told her that, I mean, I, I get into that stuff, and it's easy to look it up on, on the computer and everything, and I get the statements at the end of the month. But when I really think about the investing and even getting wealthy, to me it's depressing because it indicates, getting old. Oh. You know? <laughs> I was like, and why really, are you depressed? And, and, and really, I mean, you know, to me, I would, you know, if you keep buying, if you keep investing, it makes me feel young rather than saying, okay, I've, I've done this so that now I can take it out. Well, when I start taking it out, it's depressing. Oh, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> Well, no, but I mean, it's just, it's, it's a mental thing. It is. Isn't it amazing well, it how is. much of this is so emotional? It is. And it's also, um, people get into that high watermark kind of thing. You know, you, you build up so much and they hate to see it go down. So they'll, they'll just do whatever they can. I had somebody who took out a loan and they had a whole bunch of money saved up, but they didn't want to see it, the balance go down. They, so they took out a loan to buy a car or something and they had more than enough money in the investments to do it. But they just couldn't see that they said, I got to that point. I left it so much that I just couldn't see it go away. And I go, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, you know, basically it's just a figure on a a piece of paper. But I I meant to to mention to to Dave, since KIDO got a different alignment, that the perfect lead-in for Dave is uh, uh, Dave, uh, uh, Dave Ramsey. Ah, yeah, because see, I mean, he is really interesting, and he's totally against debt. Yep. So he, I mean, yep. his lead-in program is a great one for years. Yep. Yep. No, he does. The only an issue I've ever had, and this is me picking apart someone that's an amazing guy and done a mon- lots of things, is sometimes his um, estimates on what the market will do and the withdrawal rates are pretty high, and that makes us a little nervous. But he is excellent on the debt side. I agree. Mm-hmm. So anyway, All we'll right. take care. And, you too. Uh, like, you know, anyway, thanks so much. You bet, Jim. Have a great weekend. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, please give us calls. Um, we're we're going to try to beat Dave and get a bunch of phone calls this week with a lot of questions. And again, it's all in the basics. If you've ever wondered what a stock was, we'll cover that. A bond, mutual funds, ETFs. We're going to try to dive into this briefly, but give you an overview of why investing works and what they all look like. So please give us a call. 580-KIDO. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Uh, Jennifer Stone filling in for Dave Petzo and joining me as always, Tom Brown. Yes. 
What a great day. Yes. Absolutely. I got up really early. You know what? I went running this morning. Not very far, but I did. I and, did not. And uh, and you know how it is when you do something like that and you get up and you actually do it, how good you feel about yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. literally I didn't go very far, but I did step outside and I had shorts on. That works, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's funny though, that just like you said, small steps, right? Right. So you went running. That's yeah. great. That's what we're kind of talking yeah. about here. Get your finances in order. That small step, yeah, take, today's take, the day. Yeah. I've been reading uh, a book, Atomic Habits by James Clear and... That's the kind of thing you don't, it's not monumental things, it's little things. Mm-hmm. Making little changes become big changes. Yep, and those small habits, it only takes a little while for something to become a habit. And if this is some, if you want it, you just have to focus on it. Set the goal and get there. Mm-hmm. So, good for you. Yeah. I can't say I joined you. I did not get up and go running this morning. Not my, nope. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, the, you know what? Yeah, all the other people out running when I was out running, no one. I know. <laughs> it is a Saturday. Yeah. But um, again, give us a call. 580-KIDO-580-5436. Email jstone at petsofinancial.net. I uh, want to thank Dave for letting us come in today and go back to the basics. We do like to do this. So before we do that, though, I just wanted to take a moment and say the main purpose of this show really is for education. You joining, asking questions just helps us know what people are thinking and what they might be wondering. So no question is silly. We really do want to talk with you, but also we wanted to be sure to point out when you're listening to programs, make sure you still do research us too, right? Check us out. Make sure that you're comfortable with who we are, our bios, read them as well as go on. FINRA has a great place to check out brokers and people that are on air and also seminars, right? They're back in full force. People like these seminars and it seems like when everyone is back into school and away from summer vacation, they come out again. Most, I shouldn't say most, all dinner seminars are selling something. If you're getting a free dinner, they're selling something to you to be able to do that. Um, So unless you're already with the firm and they're just thanking you for being a client, if this is somewhere you have no affiliation with, there are no free lunches. Yep. Okay. Keep that in mind. Tom and I were just talking. There's some new ones coming around in town. Good guys or bad guys. I'm not saying that, but Mm -hmm. do your homework. Yeah. And always realize that even if they don't come right out, they're getting, I'm sure they're having you sign in. They probably have, hey, could we reach out to you with an email? Mm-hmm. You know, it might be subtle, but they're they're gathering the things to follow up with you, and, and eventually there'll be something. Yes, and don't feel obligated if you go, because then people think, well, now I went and had free yeah. dinner. Now I have to do something and, and meet with them. Obviously, that's part of the deal. It right. is. It really is. So just do your homework. Check us out. Check everyone out. Anyone you want to work with, the wonderful thing about the Internet is you can find out a lot about a lot. Mm-hmm. Do your homework, okay? That's important to us and everyone else, all right? So what we really want to talk about today is getting back to the basics with budgeting, net worth calculation, how to save, how much you should be saving. The interesting thing is I ran a quick calculation just at a 7% interest and putting away money at 20 years old, 30 years old, and up. And if you start when you're young, and I just ran it at I mean, this is kind of like the cup of coffee. I know that. But if you just run it at 7% interest, by the time you're 65, you'll have near a million dollars with $300 a month invested. If you wait 10 years, then you have to do double that just to be able to get to the same place. Then if you wait till 40, so you know you're going through life and you don't have a lot to do, 
you know, money extra to spend, you have to put $1,300 away. Again, this is just flat math, okay? At 7% interest to have around a million dollars at age 65. What this tells you is $300 a month is a lot easier than $1,300. Yep. Get started. Yep. And that's starting at $300. And you probably get a raise in some points. Maybe you'll be able to afford to bump that up if you want to. And you should. Mm-hmm. So those are back to the 401ks and with those values growing and just diversifying and investing. So I know most people that listen to Dave obviously understand what an investment is, what a stock, bond, mutual fund, exchange-traded funds, all of those things are. But then maybe some people don't. After meeting with those two clients this week, I kind of realized that not everyone knows a lot about what we do. Mm-hmm. So or, when you, or they think they do, and they have misconceptions that aren't true. Correct. So simply put, and we'll go through a lot of these and a lot of different things, simply put, a stock is ownership in a company. So I always say, if someone walked up to you and said, here, I will give you ownership in this company, you just have to buy it. There's really not much cost involved, if any now, because trading is free and you can own the great this great corporation. And guess what you have to do? Nothing. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do any hiring, firing, budgeting, nothing. You just get the ownership and the income that comes from it. And you can do it for 50 bucks, 100 bucks, and you can be invested in a, in a big company and and be participating in that instead of having to go, if you want to invest in this, you're going to have to have a million dollars. Right. And show up and do something and Mm -hmm. be on the board and do all of this. You can vote on things. They do send you information so you know what the company's doing. But most people would say, you mean I can get an income from something and do nothing except participate? Mm -hmm. That to me is pretty amazing. Yeah. You can hear the music. We do need to take a break now. And after the top of the hour, we'll come back and we're going to explain what bonds are and a couple other things. Hope this isn't boring. So please give us a call. 580-KIDO, 580-5436. And we'll be back after the top of the hour. Good morning. Welcome to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petso today. Phone number 580-KIDO, 580-5436. Email jstone at petsofinancial.net. So during the break, we were reading through an email that came to us about how they should be contributing to their 401k going forward, planning to retire in three years or so. Right now they're deferring, which means they're they're doing a pre-tax contribution. So it's going to the traditional side to reduce their income today. And they're fully funding Roth IRAs on the outside, which is $7,500 per person per year. Top bracket now, so their top bracket is in the 22%. Their effective bracket's a little lower because of the way that works. But any dollars from now that they would take out would be paying tax. So Roth money goes out taxed now. So it's after-taxed money. So if they switch their deduction to being all after-tax, that means they're paying right now 22% on every dollar plus state tax. Uh, If you're in a high state tax, I mean, that could be approaching 30%. Mm I know that comment also was they'll probably be in the same bracket in retirement. So it seems like it should be fairly simple. You know, we're going to pay this tax one way or the other. Let's just do it. But this is what I want to look at as well is the diversification of types of assets. How much do you have in a pre-tax bucket? How much do you have in after-tax Roth money? And how much do you have in non-qualified, which is savings accounts, but they're invested? So when you look at that overall picture, is that well balanced? Used to be no one had Ross, no one had much in brokerage non-qualified, and everything was pre-taxed, so every dollar was going to be taxed very high. So what you need to look at is your 
position. How much do I have in a 401k? Do I have a million dollars here, a million dollars there? What does that balance look like? So that you have the ability when you retire to pick and choose where that income comes from. So it's a bigger picture than just going in and saying this makes sense because we'll be in the same bracket because you might not be. You might be able to work it that you're in a little bit lower bracket in retirement. And since you're putting away quite a bit pre-tax and quite a bit Roth, it's almost a balance. I like that idea. I kind of like balancing everything. And Tom had some Mm -hmm. good points as well on how it looks with uh, making up that 30% on the Roth. Pay out 30 in tax, you have to make that up. Exactly. So you're talking about taking a 30% tax hit on these contributions. And we're, we have in e- purely economic sense, you have to make up that 30% to um, make it, um, to get back to even. So if we're talking about three years, and we know that we're going to leave the money in more than three years, but if we think about that, then are we willing to take that step back to go that much forward, depending upon where you're on with those assets? So if you, you look at the overall picture, just like you said, you need, and uh, you have a great uh, thought or uh, illustration you've used where it's like a painting, right? And you go, do it. Do I got this? Does the painting look really good right now? Or is the Roth a little bit? Because if the Roth is a little bit low, right, and you, you think that non-tax assets are a little bit low, then this might be a great opportunity to beef that up. It, it could be a good um, opportunity there. So it isn't, and like we always say, everybody's custom. So that there isn't a same answer typically for everybody other than just make sure you're saving, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And also, uh, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to say, I want to put just round numbers, 20000 into Roth, and I want 20000 into pre-tax money every year, if you're funding on the outside 15000 in a Roth, bump it up or change it slightly in your 401k, not 100%, and put maybe 5000 more into the Roth on the 401k side. But look at that picture because it's really more restrictive in retirement if you only have pre-tax dollars. Yeah. You definitely don't want to be paint yourself into a corner where every time you want to take a, a like a bigger lump sum, you have to gross it up all the time and, and then be paying another 20, 25% in taxes just to take the money out. So mm-hmm. so this is a good opportunity to re, re-look at your situation now that you're three years out and really say, okay... What does that look like in three years? Where do we want to have our money? And, and maybe it is that maybe it would be helpful to bump a little bit up. And so you do like 25% in the Roth and 75% in the deferred. Yeah, a lot of flexibility there. Yep. And legacy planning should always come in the picture as well. Um, and most of the time, it's always you first and then kids second. But if you have another, and we'll talk, we might as well just go right into required minimum distributions right now. If you have large IRAs, Um, you have to have that paid out to your children. As spouses, you take them as your own and you take that income over your life expectancy at age 73. So when you hit the magical age of 73, used to be 70 and a half, now it's 73, you're forced to start taking money out of anything that's pre-taxed on the IRA side, 401ks, anything that you are actively not contributing to. And I know we're getting a little weedy here. Mm -hmm. If you're still working at 73 years old and contributing to your 401k, as long as it's a big company and not just your own, you can go ahead and defer taking that distribution. Mm-hmm. IRAs, you have to start taking income. The bad thing about what they did after 2020 is they said when kids inherit, it has to be out in 10 years. So if you have a really large 401k IRA, they may have to take huge amounts of income to get that out 
prior to that 10 year period. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more to it now. And they're also changing the rules again. So I don't know why they focus so much on these little things and they don't fix yep. the big and learning problems. why they problems. have to make it so complicated. Right. That something that was, was kind of complicated before. It wasn't super straightforward. Now they've made it where it's even more. So mm -hmm. it's, and, and I don't think they really understand what they're doing. No. And like I said, they're fixing these little things when we've got this elephant mm -hmm. sitting in the middle of the room that yeah. we're not focused on. Yeah. And they definitely want to increase taxes uh, and and uh, this is the way they're, they're going to do it. They're just going to force your beneficiaries to pay it. Mm -hmm. And with Ross, still have to be out in 10 years, but you don't have to take distributions. So that's kind of cool. If you have a big Ross sitting there, you can wait 10 years and it all comes out tax-free. Yeah. So there are things that they're working on now too, and this is really getting more complicated. The rules for, I believe, this year are still that you don't have to take distributions if you're who you inherited from weren't but going forward if they were over 73 and taking distributions yep. you have to take at least what they were expected to take and still have it all out in 10 years yep, yep. this is why it gets complicated yeah but they did pass that that they're not going to penalize you if you don't so that's for this year yep but I, going forward again, they will right yeah that's what they're saying yes and i understand the penalty was reduced a little bit generous folks instead mm -hmm. of being 50 percent on what you should have taken it's only 25 Mm -hmm. So make sure you know these rules because it is your responsibility for inheriting them. We help walk people through it and explain it, but you have to make sure you're following the rules that no one really knows right now. Right. So they made it a mess. They did. But that's another thing to think about when you're going through um, making a good investment portfolio is how does that look? If your objective is to leave a substantial amount for your heirs and your estate, plan for it a little bit. Maybe you mm -hmm. want to do a few conversions. Maybe you want to do something to keep the bracket a bit lower, but professionals, financial advisors, tax professionals, they can help you walk through what's best. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's get back into a couple more fun things here. And so I like to talk about the details of investing. It's just fun for us. Uh, bonds. We talked about what stocks were. It's ownership. Bonds are coming back now. People are starting to talk about them a little bit mm -hmm. more because rates are higher. Yep. And bonds are debt. So a company can raise money and or, and or government or municipalities or whoever. They can raise money to, for their operations by issuing debt, and those are bonds. And that's really what it is. It's just they're borrowing money from the buyers of the bonds, and they, they say we're going to pay interest if you hold on to this debt. And that's, that's how they are raising their money instead of issuing. They don't want more stockholders, so they decide they want more people to owe money to. Yeah. And understand too, when stocks are first issued, they have a certain amount that they put out to the market. You aren't, when you buy the company, you are not going back and knocking on Apple's door and making a contract with them to buy more shares. There's only a certain amount that they issue when they first go public. They sometimes issue more through splits or whatever it might be, but you are not giving the money directly to them. So if Tom owns Apple and I want to buy it from him, he sells it to me. I buy it from him. Nothing goes back to Apple. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting how people think, I don't want to own that company because I'm giving them money. Well, not if you own the stock, but if you own the bond, you sure are. Yep. Yep. So it's a, just remember that and also understand bonds are um, traded through mutual funds and exchange traded funds just like stock. Mm -hmm. So you can also diversify the bond piece of it through owning mutual funds and individual security or not buying the individual bonds, which are a little tricky. 
So yep. you don't always want to buy those. So right. anyways, I don't want to get too weedy here. We just want mm -hmm. you to kind of understand the differences. Money markets are also, if they have a, a ticker symbol associated with them, those money markets are mutual funds too. Yep. So when you see that and people say, well, I bought a mutual fund, where does that show on my brokerage statement? It'll be right in the middle of the mutual funds with, with the money market will be a mutual fund. Yep. Okay. Yeah. People get confused about that all the time. Another thing, going back to the bonds, when you have somebody that's saying, hey, you should invest in a bond, let's say mutual fund or a bond ETF, they're buying the bonds. You don't own the specific bonds. So people go, well, now I have to hold on to it for 10 years, right? Or 30 years. And no, they're holding on to the 10-year, 30-year bonds. You're just investing in them and they're investing in that. So you don't have to, you're not holding the exact stock or, or bond. And right. some people believe that. Yeah, they do. They're stuck. They are. Yep, they do. And they think, well, how long do I have to hold this or whatever? Because we're... We, it's been so long that we talked about money markets because they weren't yielding anything. You know how we felt about bonds in a zero rate environment and inflation and everything affecting that. And we just didn't want to own them. Now they're coming back. And it's funny how many people say to me, I don't even know what a money market is. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is interesting. It is funny. You know, it's been 12 or 15, 15 years, years before since interest rates were anything close to what people don't realize that the interest rate level now is, if you look at over like 50 years, is average mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember we talked about what is normal, right? Because the rates had been so mm -hmm. low for so long. When does that become normal? Mm -hmm. And then you go back to the averages and that's where we're at. Yeah. But anyways, all right, let's just jump to the phones real quick. Terry? Good morning. How are you? Oh, just Missed some stuff there, so I don't know if I'm covering stuff you've already covered, but uh, it, it neighbor wandered by and wanted to talk. So, um, Tom, I had a question for you that's off the wall here. Uh, how? What kind of a percentage? I talked to you years ago, and you said the first call should be when you win the Mega Millions to your it, your tax guy. Okay. Well, Did you win well, the Mega Millions? Happen, Were you in Florida last week? But what kind of percentage would you charge to take care of that? For for the Mega Millions? Yeah. How much would I charge? Yeah, to do my taxes still. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Probably, yeah, I, I don't really do taxes on a percentage. But, you know, if it's Mega Millions, maybe I could change the, the some, <laughs> make something special just for you. Well, I figured there'd be extra work involved. You'd probably want to dig in a little deeper on yeah. it, you know. You know, the numbers might be bigger, but it's probably pr about the same amount of work. No, okay. Well, cool. I'll, I'll always do that when I win that thing. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, no, I, I'm, you were talking about uh, in doing your investing and getting started and all. I read, and I can't remember if it was Forbes or an Airman's Magazine way back when, when I was a young troop. That uh, every time you get a promotion, you pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very important. And that that's where what little bit I have hanging around com comes, comes from is uh, every promotion I got, I took 50% and dedicated that to put away. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Super important. Like we say, small things matter, right? So when you're not earning a lot, when you first start out, 50% may not seem like a lot of a 1% raise, but it sure matters long term. So... But that, that's what I had for y'all. Just thought I'd get the well, numbers that, up so we can dig at David a little bit. Yes. <laughs> well, well, there you go. You get your neighbor to call. Um, and that's another thing goes to those habits, right? The habit of having a 
habit of continuing investing and have a, a method of doing that. So like you're saying, you get a raise, you put a little bit more away. You get a raise, put a little bit more away. That's a great yeah. plan for a lot of people if they can keep that habit. It, it, it made sense because if you didn't have it before, you didn't miss it. Yep. So if you weren't having that come into your paycheck and say, oh, I've got to take this away now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's what I had for you kids. All right, Terry, have a great weekend. And same to y'all. All right. Take care. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to dive into more financial basics. And again, phone calls are great. 580-KIDO. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone, Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petso this morning. Um, phone calls are great. 580-KIDO. Email works to jstone at petsofinancial.net. Before we jump into more details on different types of investments and how they kind of work, just in, you know, again, trying not to get too weedy here, but trying to explain the differences, um, I did want to talk a little bit about something that's measured all the time um, before you start investing. Every questionnaire says, well, what is your risk tolerance? Risk tolerance is funny. It sways in the wind. I actually listened to a podcast that really hit home, too, and they basically said, don't make big decisions on bad days. So if you're going to start investing and you're woke up and your back hurts and you know you don't have enough to really do what you want to do and you're behind the ball, all these things, all these questions that come in, don't make the decision on a bad day. Mm -hmm. Look at it and make a goal. And this comes back to what I like to always say is the what, why, and how. What are you trying to accomplish? Why do you want to do that? And then how do you get there? Nowhere in there does it say, how do I feel today? Exactly. Is you know it's it's always funny that risk tolerance deal. Um, uh, when I first started, I thought that that's you know, what you did. You know, you did this big questionnaire. And you figure out if you if people like to be you know skydivers or whatever, and that was supposed to tell you you know what kind of investor they were. And then you you invest really close to you what that was. And uh, then I started listening to you and Dave and how he said, well, if the market's up, everybody's everybody's aggressive and when the market's down then they remind you you remember i'm conservative you know mm -hmm. uh, but th three weeks ago i was thinking about you should buy all micron mm -hmm. so it's just like one of those things where um you're right it's it's very fickle and mm -hmm. uh, if if we wanted to go by risk tolerances we'd be having people you know do them monthly yeah you would you really really would it also comes to long term short term and what does that measurement look like because a lot of times people say, well, you know, I'm going to retire in three years, so I should become more conservative. Well, you should maybe potentially adjust the way you're investing. You should maybe look at your overall allocation and decide where's my first year income going to come from. Start looking at it. But retirement's not an end point. No, it's just a, it's just a transition. Mm -hmm. So when you get there, look at it and say, where am I going to take my income? And that goes back to what we were talking about with our email is diversification of different asset classes in addition to different types of assets. So stocks, <clears throat> bonds, fixed income, um, large cap, small cap, all those words you hear thrown around are super important to the type of investments under the umbrella. But the type of investments you have pre-tax, post-tax and different types is almost just as important, if not more so. Yeah. Exactly. And I, how many times someone come in and go, well, I want to make sure that I'm um, getting out because uh, my uncle, right before 2008, he, he was going to retire and then the market went down and then he wasn't able to, he had to keep working. I go, well, evidently he wasn't planning very well. Right. Or if you, if it's that close, you're not there. 
you got to have room for margin. So if you say, I need a million dollars and the market's just roared the last three years and you finally hit that million dollars, we know the market doesn't return 20% every year. We know that. So if you had really good years, maybe you just settle in and say, okay, so if we have a correction, can I still retire? Right. It's kind of like that stress test your finances to make sure if something bad happens, am I still on course? Mm -hmm. And what what do I need to do to do that? And something will bad will happen. Mm -hmm. That's the funny thing about the market is, um, you know, we had a good year in 1920. We had the COVID correction, but it was so quick and mm -hmm. back and going. 21 was a good year. And then 22 wasn't. Mm -hmm. And we all sat around and went, wait, the market goes down? Of course it goes yeah. down. Yeah. Well, of course, because if, if we didn't, our, the averages of the market would be a lot higher than they are at around 10 to 11 percent, which they've been around for uh, over a century. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing 21, 22, all this stuff, you know you're going to have to have something to offset those or the average is going to start uh, going up. Mm -hmm. And it, and it is, and it's interesting. It does have this polar pull to 10 mm -hmm. and it really does. We've run, I, I like to run illustrations. I do it all the time just to see different times because it just solidifies how we feel. Um, cause we, we are Dave probably more than any of us just cause he's been doing this for so long. He has an iron gut with investing. It just doesn't bother him and you can see it. You watch him. It doesn't, it bothers for his clients though, because we, our main focus for you, our clients and people that listen is to try to help you not jump off that cliff. And if we had sensitive stomachs and the market went down and we were all sitting around panicked and going, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Or on the flip side, it's too high. Oh my goodness, when do we sell? No, you continue to do the same things. If something goes up, you trim. If something goes down, you buy. It's very simple to do but it's very hard to do when you're in that moment. So we can talk about selling high, buying low. We talk about it all day long and we know we want to until we do it. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think it's important to understand that everybody makes mistakes. Everything doesn't go the way we plan. If you sit with Dave and he goes over some of his uh, not as good of uh, plans or purchases or investments he's made, he's made lots of them. Uh, he, he, he knows that he's going to do that and he takes it for granted that he's going to make mistakes. He's going to make some investments and aren't going to work out as well. We all are going to do that. We have to be ready for that. Um, and we have to be ready. The market is going to go. For instance, if we would have sat here in October of last year and said, everybody get in the market because it's going to take off, everybody would have thought we're crazy. Um, we didn't know. And you don't know. And then you look back and go, I didn't even know that was coming. That's why you have to stay invested because you don't know when these kind of snapbacks are going to happen. And you don't know if they're, they're going to um, last for a long time or not. But you have to be there when they do or you're just going to start diminishing your returns. Right. So that's why you don't react. And that's funny because we say on one side we react to what the world gives us, which is true. But we don't overreact and shift. So shifting makes sense. I should take that back. We don't get out, get in, get out, get in. We've never done that. I don't know how many times I've had people call and say, I know, I know what you're going to tell me. I need to stay in. I, I know you've told me this over and over again, stay in the market, but what are you guys doing? Right. Like we've got this top secret formula mm -hmm. for ourselves that we're just not going to share because you know, we're zigging and zagging. Or, I, I heard you on the radio and this is what you said, but really. What do you really think? Mm -hmm. That's a funny thing, too, because you, you've heard Dave lately saying that Wall Street's economists are right, worse than blind monkeys throwing darts. We've talked about that a lot. That doesn't mean the long-term projections are wrong, but the short-term, no one knows what the market's going to do. But every time he says that and he goes over it and he talks about it, and anyone who listens a lot knows, he does tell you that all the time. 
they'll still call and say, Dave, what do you think the market's going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I know you tell the masses that it's not going to mm-hmm. do any, you can't project and you don't give projections, but what do you really think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it is funny. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more in detail and we did get another email. So we'll share that with you as well. Phone number is 580-KIDO, 580-5436. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petso today. Uh, thank you for your calls, but we do have plenty of time for more. 580-KIDO, 580-5436. Email jstone at petsofinancial.net. Um, we did get one email while we were going through the break, so I did want to read through that. Uh, it, and they made a really good point. They said, this isn't taught. I know when my kids were in school, they did take like personal economics or they took some classes that um, were trying to lead them to understand it better. Uh, they did get a little bit leaning into types of retirement accounts. But the main thing was, and I remember her asking, what stock should we pick? Because they played the stock market mm-hmm. game. And that's not investing, that's gambling, mm-hmm. right? So again, we're back to what we encourage mm-hmm. people not to do, which is try to time pick to try to get rich quick, right? So this isn't taught. It's not explained what an investment is, how they work. Because if it was, you know, more people would do it, then the returns wouldn't be quite yeah. so good. Actually, my son took a personal finance class in uh, high school last year, just locally, and, and I went through this stuff. And they could learn there was a lot of good stuff there but it was more of fill it out get the answer move on and it wasn't really uh you know if the kid really wanted to endeavor to learn they had a lot of great information there i actually looked at it but these kids aren't going to soak that up right they're going to go yeah i, t- I remember i talked about a roth mm-hmm. ira one time mm-hmm. but i i don't remember what that you know it isn't going to be something that's fundamental that's why that cup of coffee a day is so important, mm-hmm. right? Because you can actually visualize that. Right. And you can say, for my $5, I'm giving up and getting this instant right. something. What if I just put away, and you don't have to put away every day, mm-hmm. right? Just half of it. How much would you end up yeah. having? And it's funny um, how that, the simpler the the plan or the concept, so much more impactful mm-hmm. it, it can be. You know, that I don't have to overthink this. I just have to do it right yep and uh, the point on the email as well is when you start off in your 20s it's pretty easy to smart with start with small dollar amounts and know that they'll compound but what if you're a little bit behind how do you start knowing how much you need to save to catch up um, how much do you need in retirement? That's the point where everyone is slightly different, right? Um, we always say comparison is the thief of joy, which it is, because if you're constantly looking at someone and saying they've got nicer stuff or they live in a nicer house or they're more fit or they can run faster or whatever the num- the metric is that you're measuring to, it makes you feel unhappy. So you don't want to compare to make, you know, still the joy of what you're doing. But comparison, in my mind, also can make you competitive. If you look at someone and you go, man, I sure hope, and I look at successful people all the time and go, man, what did they do to get Mm -hmm. there? Small businesses, wow, how did that person know to be that creative, to create that widget, to make themselves a fortune? And people like that, like you may think Elon Musk is crazy, it doesn't matter. He is so brilliant though. When you Mm -hmm. think of what he's willing to try, I love to look at people like that. So if you want to look at live in retirement and travel the world and drive nice cars and do nice things and have the freedom to live the way you want, you need to save more. Right. If you don't care so much about that and you like to sit in the backyard and garden and that's your joy, 
that's a different level. So contentment is important as well. And finding what makes you content is part of the whole financial picture. Yeah. And, and really, like you were saying at the beginning, you know, start with the basics, right? Mm-hmm. Figure out where you are, where, what your net worth is, what, what your spending is, where you can start seeing and then what your goals are. And the goal should not be an amount. The goal should be a habit. So I'm going to start a habit of putting away $200 a month. And that's what, not so much to get a million dollars, but I'm just going to start that. And then next year, I'm going to try to do 250 or 300 mm-hmm. And then look at your budget and try to squeeze out a little bit more and pay off some debt so you can put away a little bit more. That's how those things work. But if we just get overwhelmed with we don't have enough and we'll never get there and so forth, then you're just stuck and you're like catatonic. You won't move. And it's just those little starts. Mm-hmm. And that'll yep. build. But trying to do, do it all at once is going to be really hard. Yep. Yep. But if you've already started and you know where you're at and you know where you want to be, um, then you do need, and I'm not disagreeing at all with what Tom's saying, because he's right. If you haven't started yet, you got to start. But if you've gotten to a point and you say, I want to retire in 10 years, well, we got to kind of start to back into the numbers and say, well, what does that number look like? How much income do I need? Do I want to replace my income? Am I comfortable taking less? But you have to also be realistic. There's a lot of times when you sit down with people and they say, I can live on X amount a month, but they have never been able to. So you have to also practice for what you think you can do. So if you're really getting close to retirement and you say, three years from now, I'm done. Well, now is the time to say, what does this budgeting look like? How much do I need to live on? How much do I want to live on? And how much would I love to live on? And I always tell people to do this with your spouse, because Tom and I were talking too, Spouses need to be involved in these decisions. Even if one takes the lead, I've seen more issues as you approach retirement with couples that haven't worked together than any other situation. When they walk in, they're both aware. They're both helping and being involved. It's a much more comfortable conversation. If one of you has been left out and you get to retirement and you have no idea what's going on, I've seen more disagreements with that than anything else. Mm -hmm. Do it as a team. Yep. Get get in the canoe and row in the same direction because if w- both of you are rowing in different directions, it's not going to be very happy. No. And um, going back to the, the budgeting and so forth, budget things that are going to happen, we call it a put and take philosophy. You, you need to put away some money or have money available for the things that are going to happen. They're just not normal, you know, like air conditioners going out and you know, big car repairs and those kind of things, you have to consider that you're going to have those as well as some medical bills and so forth, especially if you start wanting to retire early. Make sure that you're allowing for those things because those things will derail a perfect income plan in retirement. And then all of a sudden you got $50,000 of debt because you didn't think about them. Yep. And they will happen. I promise you. They don't. Life doesn't stop Mm -hmm. happening because you retire and you've decided what your fixed income will be. All right. Let's go to the phones. Cindy. Yes. Hi. Hi. I just happened to turn on the program. I listen sometimes. Um, I have a question. I lost my son last year and um, it was it's been a really trying hard year for us. And um, he was. we kidded around sometimes about, and I'm just now getting to finishing up some of the details. Um, and my question is, we had 
kind of put some money together and he bought some Bitcoin. But the details are in his computer. I have yet to go through his computer. I just can't bring myself to do it. But let's say I even found the documents I needed or the information. Since I wasn't on the stock, he just invested it for me. Um, is is there anything I should do? Should I just let it go? Uh, and it wasn't very much, but I would like to have that for his daughter. Sure. First, I'm very, very sorry for your loss. That's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's been really awful. Yeah. So we're still reeling, but... I'm sure. You know, everything's so complicated anymore. You can't even go and even closing the bank account or whatever. So I didn't think of the Bitcoin until about a couple weeks ago. And I said, oh, yeah, we bought that, didn't we? Yeah. So I'm going to throw myself on the store here. I know nothing about Bitcoin and how it works. I've stayed away from it because, um, (laughs) you know, because I just am not comfortable. But if it potentially is with uh, Coinbase or one of those type of maybe markets or somehow, Mm -hmm. maybe you can back in finding how to do it. Um, legally, I'm assuming you have the right to it if you're his heir or his daughter or someone, but I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. So if anyone out there knows anything about Bitcoin, um, please. Or you can help her yeah. or about a research. Yeah. Email us, yeah. let us know, and then we'll somehow get in touch with Cindy and let her know. And you know, it was Coinbase. I do have one piece of paper and it said, here's your Coinbase something but it made made no sense to me so yeah that would be very nice if someone has any insight on that i'd really appreciate it perfect Thank you so yes much. okay you bet uh-huh all right take care bye-bye bye-bye um and that leads to something too that we don't like to focus on and we don't feel it's important when you're younger and that's having a strong estate plan you need this you have to know Everyone needs to know where your investments are, how to get to them, the documentation that's involved. If you have a young child, make sure you have a will and it says who takes the girl if something happens, whatever it might be, make sure your wishes are followed and they're not forced upon your family. As you can hear, it's difficult enough to go through this situation. Make sure everything's in good order so that it can be simpler for your family. Mm -hmm. Super important. So um, again, we're not attorneys. We don't pretend to practice them at all, but there are so many things you can do that can help in a difficult time. Yep. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer some more questions to uh, KIDO, 580-KIDO. Good morning. Welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Tom Brown filling in for Dave Petso today. Wow, another couple hours gone quick. I know. It's, it is amazing, especially... Um, when we get phone calls, how quick it goes. It does, yes. Mm-hmm. And again, 580-KIDO, 580-5436. We would have time for more calls. If anyone has any quick questions, please call in. Um, you know, I think all of this comes back to just remind yourself that it's not complicated to get started. So if you're sitting down today, and I always say today's the first day to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you've said, I want to get on board, I'm ready to start investing, we'll sit down and look at your budget today and say, you know, maybe I can cut here and just get started. If you're young and you're wanting some really easy budgeting, and this is my way, and Tom and I have mm-hmm. talked about this multiple times, um, my way simpler than his potentially, but maybe his way works better for you. If you haven't started, put 10% of what you earn away for non-touchable retirement money. This is not the put and take account. This is money that you are not going to touch. 20% of what you make should go into put and take. Mm-hmm. Put and take means cars break. Like Tom said, Mm -hmm. you need water heaters. We've all been through this point where you sit back and go, 
wow, I knew my tires were getting bad, but now I really have to have them because I just blew one and I don't mm -hmm. have $1,000 sitting around. Mm -hmm. You are going to need to get new tires. Mm -hmm. We have people tell us all the time, this will be my last car. I'm going to retire, mm -hmm. so I'm going to buy yeah, a my car. forever car. People yeah. are starting to call it forever cars. Yes, and you know, you're 60 years old and your mm -hmm. life expectancy is in the 90s. You really think you're not going to buy another car <laughs> in the next 30 years? Some people I know, they won't. I do have a client that I believe 100% this will be her last car, but the majority of people will need to replace that. Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows? There may be a requirement that they're going to be electric cars right. at some point. You just don't know. Mm -hmm. So save for those things. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting now if you can become that person that saves for things to pay for things instead of paying for things and then paying them off. Um, increase in interest rates like we've had can be a, a huge benefit um, or is a huge benefit for people that t get interest instead of pay interest. So if we can start budgeting for these things and actually be realistic and go, yeah, I know I'm going to need some, I should put some money aside for that, then you, you, then you stay on that side of the ledger instead of constantly trying to figure out how you're going to pay off a 15 to 20% credit card because you didn't save up for a water heater yeah and the crazy thing is we um with clients sometimes they come in and they've had poor spending habits and they have credit cards and one of them actually told me that their interest rate on their card was like 30 percent now that's crazy you think about how long it will take to pay something off and is that pair of shoes worth 30 percent interest right mm -hmm. um so just think about saving and money markets now pay five percent so you could put away the money and earn a little bit and mm -hmm. then go buy the stuff yeah I know it's an instant gratification. I'm still blown away that you can order ink toner from Amazon and it shows up same day. Still blows my mind that this is available. So I get that instant gratification, but you have to delay it in some situations yeah. and financial is one of them. Yep. So set aside money. Tom's way of budgeting, we kind of skip past that is, and I don't even know if he does it this much not, anymore. Not as, not, not as, not as strict. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm more toward, where I'm kind of more toward your side where, you know, you make sure that you have you've taken care of the important things you've mm -hmm. set aside the important things and then you you've set aside money for these type of stuff and then if you have money left over then you and you've got everything covered then that's your money mm -hmm. and, yep. uh, and uh, i think more people would gravitate toward that than sitting there going we just paid you know 33 dollars on the gas bill and this and that which if you're in really bad situation and you're having to watch every penny you got to do that mm -hmm. You know, and there's articles all the time of where you should be in retirement at certain ages, how much income you should have, like one time, 10 times, whatever the number might be, and that will give you the average. Here's my goal to everyone out there is don't be average. Try to set yourself up to be above average in situations so that you have an amazing retirement. If you want your kids to go to a fabulous school and you wanna pay for it all, don't just look at the averages. If you're at the average and you can do more, do a little more. Mm -hmm. We don't know what things are going to cost in the future. We don't know how much more it's going to be to send kids to college or if that changes all, all com completely changes. But don't be average. Set yourself up to have so much freedom and flexibility that you can travel the world if that's your goal and that's your content. Or you can do nothing except garden, read, and do those things that make you happy. But don't let yourself be stuck in a position that you can't do what you want. And also don't get in the comparison game on the flip side and think you got to retire like somebody else. You know, find out where it, where it makes you happy and and uh, live to that plan instead of someone else's. Mm -hmm. And if comparison you, can kill you. Yeah, and if you've gotten there and you think you're set, what are you retiring to? 
Don't forget mm -hmm. that it's a big adjustment to now start living on what you've created in wealth and kind of what Jim said, right? He feels old if he takes money out of his investments because they've done well. Well, don't, not that I'm criticizing the way he thinks because he's been a good investor, but I'm just saying when you get there, what are you waiting for? What did you save so hard for? What are you working towards now that mm -hmm. you're there? And what are you going to fill the next 20 to 30 years with? Yeah, because that money is just a resource to do stuff or to provide income or security or whatever the case to make you happy. It isn't there to just build up and watch. Mm -hmm. And as you notice, this entire program, we did not talk much about the market. Nope. That we wanted to focus it on a little bit different. It will take care of itself whether we talk about it or not. Yep, yep. And, you know, the emotions that are coming from money are always going to be there. How you invest, how you save, that's always going to be there. But get back to the basics. Look at your budget. Look at your net worth. Decide how much, what you're saving for, why you want to do that, and start the plan today. There's no better day than today. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow is not a day. Yeah. <laughs> right? So today's the day to go in. Let's try to be above average, start saving and accumulating so that you have a fabulous retirement. Yep. All right. Well, it's been a great week. I hope everyone has a fabulous weekend. If you have questions at all during the week, you can always email us or reach out to petsofinancial.com. Feedback is wonderful. We always like to know if you liked what we talked about today or if you'd like some other topics. We're open to anything. So please mm -hmm. let us know. It's all about educating you and helping you have a comfortable retirement. And in any way we can do that is our goal. Yep. And uh, on side note, Terry, thanks for calling back. We will be contacting. Absolutely. And Cindy, we will be in touch because we do have someone that we think can help you. Again, thank you for listening. And Dave will be back next week. Have a wonderful weekend.